1: The Playmaker. Hi, I'm Chloe and this is The Playmaker. One story every day to make sense of the world of football. Today, is increased fan disorder a storm in a teacup? This week, representatives from the Premier League are due to meet with the UK Football Policing Unit That's because there's concern over a rise in fan disorder at matches this season. Last weekend, Aston Villa's Matty Cash and Luca Dean were hit by a plastic bottle during their match at Everton's Goodison Park. And Chelsea's Antonio Rudiger was struck by missiles away at Tottenham. Here's what Chelsea manager Thomas Tuchel had to say about that incident. I did what I did. And you're, you're right. I, I sent a message to our fans, supporters, that we that we love to have them close to the, um, close to the pitch, that we love that it, it's a brilliant atmosphere, that they are not behind fences, not behind nets or whatever. So and then from there, everybody needs to show respect and needs to behave, of course. In, in These are not just time. isolated incidents. It's happening across the UK and at most levels of football. It's something I've seen personally at National League games, and the research backs up the anecdotal evidence. Reported incidents of disorder are up 56% in the National League, compared to 2019-20. Across England, there have been more than 750 reported incidents this season, and 800 football-related arrests. Almost half of all matches end with reported problems of this kind. What do we mean by disorder? It's things like missiles being thrown, hate crimes, flares and general nuisance behaviour. To understand more, I spoke to an expert. Hi, how are you doing? Professor Jeff Pearson from the University of Manchester has a PhD in Legal Responses to Football Crowd Disorder. Jeff says that there's a need for perspective, that arrest statistics are notoriously poor at telling us about levels of criminality. However, he does say that there's been an increase in antisocial behaviour since supporters have been allowed back in to watch matches. Why?
0: When... Football fans went back into the stadiums. We did see a bit more problematic behaviour because fans were letting the letting the hair down. They were hitting the booze harder. They were going to the the um, you know meeting up with their friends and gathering and singing, um, you know, from earlier in the day and for longer, simply because they've been denied those opportunities during lockdown.
1: When the opportunity to take part in what Jeff calls carnivalesque and transgressive behaviour, is denied to fans. Some of them will always go to the extreme when it's handed back to them. There are practical reasons too. Some fans who attended live games before the pandemic haven't returned, and they've been replaced by people who may not have previously attended games.
0: First of all, we've, we've, we've clearly got a lot of young people 14, 15, 16-year-olds have been desperate to to get out to football with their mates. And normally we have these sort of drip fed into the football fan system year on year, six months on six months. That's not happened this year. We've suddenly got, bang, you know, a whole host of them that have been desperate to get to the
1: football and haven't been able to for um, 18 months, two years. These older teenagers and others who wouldn't usually go to matches have started going and they don't necessarily know how to behave. They also might not know about the tools the police have to find them. CCTV, football intelligence officers, and the consequences too, banning orders and arrests. But as Jeff Pearson pointed out, there's not necessarily a reason to feel overly pessimistic about the current situation. There have been a lot of recent advances in crowd management because of increased communication between football policing officers and fans.
0: And that works in terms of negotiation, in terms of dialogue, in terms of setting down acceptable tolerance limits, acceptable forms of behaviour. Um, and in doing so, the police also get intelligence about what the who the risk people, individuals are in that crowd. 18 months, we've not had that. The police haven't had access to the ability to to gain intelligence and the ability to influence how fans behave. And, you know, a lot of football police officers that, that we speak to in the course of our research are simply telling us that the people that are getting involved in incidents, they've never seen before. It's that
1: time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze... Stewards play an important role too. The problem is, a lot of the experienced, competent ones were forced to find other jobs when games went behind closed doors during the pandemic. And of course, many haven't come back. They've been replaced by people with much less experience. So it seems like the answer to a lot of the problems with disorder at football matches is time. When the post-lockdown euphoria dies down, when the perpetrators see the consequences of their actions, when police build more intelligence, and as new stewards become more experienced, then the problem should settle too. The real risk, of course,
0: is that the
1: poorer football
0: policing operations uh, may start to panic and may respond in a more reactive, more disproportionate sense, more use of riot police, for example, which, of course, will make matters worse. We know that about crowd behaviour and crowd psychology. So I think to a certain extent, you know, just keep doing the good practice in football policing. It will calm down. Keep your nerve, I would say, to to football policing officers.
1: And in the long term, Jeff Pearson says that the football laws need to be revisited, that many of them especially the ban on drinking alcohol in view of the pitch, are antiquated and actually make fan behaviour worse. But the hope is that some of the disorder we are seeing in stadiums at the moment will subside on its own. Thanks for listening to The Playmaker. Before you go, just let me quickly tell you about an event we have coming up at Tortoise. We hold live discussions called ThinkIns in our newsroom and online. On Tuesday the 1st of February at 6.30pm, we've got one I think you'll like. It's all about ownership in football and where it leaves fans who have concerns about where the money flowing into their clubs comes from, or where the leagues turn to for partners and hosts. I'll be there and I hope you can join me. Just go to tortoisemedia.com forward slash book to sign up. Today's story was written by me, Chloe Beresford and produced by Gary Marshall. The Playmaker